Hello and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is a show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. On this episode, I have Vince Colvin, who is one of the owners of Chumba USA. They are a bike manufacturer based out of Austin, Texas. All their bikes are made in USA, and most of them are made by Mark, their one and only frame builder, in their shop at, in Austin, Texas. I met Vince at his house, and he had two single-speed Chumbas set up. He was on his Sendero, and he set up his Stella Tie for me to ride. And he showed me around uh, some of the Austin trails, some that I'd never ridden before. Um, it was really neat. We just rode straight from his house, hopped on some trails, rode around for a couple hours. Uh, and by the way, Vince shreds. He shreds. So he doesn't just build really neat bikes. He actually rides them too, which is great. But no, we had a, we had a great time. Uh, it was my first time riding single speed since I was like a kid and on a BMX bike. Um, we're going to talk about that more in the show, so I won't really get into that right now. Um, and afterwards, Vince bought me some tacos at a local taco joint, and it was real proper. We, uh, we ended up at his house afterwards and recorded a podcast, and that's what you're about to hear. So uh, before we get to that, let me just say that this intro and the outro are being recorded on a brand new digital recorder that I just purchased. It was purchased 100% with funds that I've received through Patreon and merchandise sales. And just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has supported the show. This is your money going right back into the show and helping it to grow, be more, be more better be mo better really excited about it and just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has supported the show if you're listening for the first time you won't hear me talk a lot about how to support the show i do that afterwards um so if you're interested in supporting the show um, you'll notice that the show doesn't have any sponsors no advertisers it's just me talking to you trying to grow a bikepacking community and if you want to help be a part of that um, stick around after the show and we'll talk about that a little bit for now all i ask is if you listen to the show and you're getting something out of it please go to itunes and leave a five-star review it's hugely impactful whenever it comes to helping people find the show if you want to hear more stick around after the show but for now here's vince All right, today I am in Austin, Texas with Vince from Chumba. I mean, as a company, y'all been on my radar for a long time. But like I came here, whenever I came here with Jared Foster um, and we rode out of Pace Bend, I was mentioning to him back then that I was hoping to get an opportunity to oper- uh, interview you. So uh, I'm glad that I finally got an opportunity. I've been a big fan of like your company and everything y'all been doing. You make some beautiful bikes. And so uh, it was really cool for me to get to ride one finally and uh and and interview you and like, talk about chumba so i'm pretty excited to to be here yeah well and i'm pretty impressed with the high quality caliber lineup of people you've been interviewing so really uh grateful to be among those amazing people you know it's a weird thing i keep asking them and they keep saying yes <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no, it's been great to see like um someone spending the time to illustrate the stories of those individuals for sure. And right. get that out there in, in a different way. It's a little more uh, uh, open-ended and, you know, honest than other media options could be potentially. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that too earlier. It's like Alexandra 
is a perfect example. Like, um, and for those that don't know, Alexander Houchin, just on the podcast, definitely worth a listen. Um, their uh, Chumba sponsors Alexandra. And we were talking earlier about how she's been my most popular podcast to date. And it's just funny because like she doesn't have Facebook, she doesn't have Instagram. Uh, she's wearing still toe boots. She's just wearing street <laughs> clothes. There's no helmet. Like she is completely not what you picture when you think top level athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but she is. <laughs> but she. But she is. Yeah. And it. But it. It just speaks to like it seems like people are just craving authenticity. You know, cut the crap. Quit trying to sell me something. Obviously, you're selling bikes, but you know what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> it, it doesn't always have to be sell me, sell me, sell me something. You know, no, like, it doesn't. It, it's more about uh, what's the story and who are you and why are you? What's your motivation? And those are the things that are really kind of compelling and especially compelling about her. Yeah. So, what was it like for you watching Alexander on the Tour Divide this year? Uh, well, both years. I mean, it's. It's just so exciting watching any of our team out right. there on track leaders. It's it's like one of the got to be one of like the best things. Even watching customers out there on it, just like knowing that all the work that we put into their bikes, they're actually using them for what we made them for. Right. I uh, it, I figure it's, it's kind of like looking at uh, watching one of your kids. You know, like yeah, it's like she's one of your riders, but then she's also on one of your builds that you built. So it's kind of like watching both of your children go off into the woods and. Yeah, it's really exciting because I mean, we, we develop pretty close relationships with the people on the team and our ambassadors and, you know, to understand like what their motivations are and what their goals are. And then to see them stay, uh, staying persistent and accomplishing them is, it's just thrilling to get to be a part of that. And, you know, watching, watching her progress every year, uh, has just been a total blast. I mean, this year, just even compared to last year, set aside all the things she accomplished, like on a personal level, like she knocked off like so many days off of her finish time. Like that's a massive accomplishment. And, yeah, and going from a geared bike to a single speed bike at that. Right, and like not the easiest conditions for uh, a Tour Divide either, so. Yeah, that, it was a tough year. Yeah. Yeah, the front of the race showed that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, the reason I wanted to talk about Alexandra is because I think that it probably speaks to like a more of like your company, like the fact that Alexandra is Alexandra and she's not on social media and she is kind of like, I don't want to use the word counterculture, but like mm-hmm. she just doesn't fit the the image that maybe most people have when they think of like a top level endurance rider or whatever, which, which is what I love about her. Like I, one thing I want to do is help break down those, ideas that you need to look a certain way or ride a certain bike or whatever it may be to be able to participate. Like cycling should be fun. It should be inclusive. Anybody should be able to do it. Um, and that's the culture that I want. And she just embodies that so well. So I'm really curious to see, like hear like y'all as a company, why y'all chose to, to endorse her or sponsor her. And yeah. Um, well really, I mean, all of the team riders that we have, they've all reached out to us and Alexander reached out to us and, you know, she, in a podcast that she had with you, she explains this in more detail, but, um, you know, she reached out and told us about herself. She shared her blog with us. She told us what she was about, what she was going to try and accomplish. And at the time it was just, you know, I'm looking for some support 
here's my story and I'm going to go do tour divide. And, you know, there was no like, oh, I'm going to go out and win it and I'm going to set records. I'm going to do this. It was mm -hmm. just like, I'm going to be a part of, you know, bikepacking culture. And are you interested in coming along yeah. with me for that? And, um, you know, one of the great things about it is, uh, at that time that she approached us, we had been really uh, trying to find and kind of put out into the universe that we wanted to grow um, the, the the number of women on our team. Because mm. uh, previously before that, I think we maybe had two. And we just wanted the team to be a better reflection of like riding culture overall versus like kind of like what you said, like, you know, uh, we want to have a, a diverse team, you know, both with types of riders and how they ride and uh, and what their what their motivations are um, so she fit like perfectly into that where you know she uh, she had a really unique story and she had uh, ambition you know um, so we we got we got her going the first year on, on a bike she, she paid for it um, and uh, you know we did the best we could on a good deal for her and um, and then, you know, halfway through the tour, I texted her and was like, who are you? You're, <laughs> you're just amazing. Cause I mean, like, you know, her, that first year, like her tactics and her, you know, persistence, the way she was racing, the way she was riding, you could just watch her on track leaders and see that she was always just doing a little more and a little more and, hmm. uh, you know, really appeared, you know, very motivated. So it was really exciting to see. And, uh, and then over the course of the years, we just, you know, we've grown a deeper relationship with her. So I think that's the question that everybody's asking, who are you to Alexandra? It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, we have different team riders that have different personal goals and some of them are, are racers and some of them are bike backers and some of them are, you know, bike culture enthusiasts. So, uh, we kind of have a unique team. So like being a world record holder is definitely not a criteria uh, that is something that we set out as like, you have to accomplish this or that has to be a goal yeah. or a motivation or um, that's not really what we're looking for. It, it's a massive bonus and it's so exciting to see, to see that. But what's the most important thing to us is that uh, she set a goal and she accomplished it on our bike and proved that our bike could help her accomplish her goal. Yeah, uh, That goal could have been totally different and we still would have been completely satisfied. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a cool thing. I just kept thinking from your perspective to watch, not just her, I mean, you keep referencing, I mean, y'all have, I know uh, Josh Ewell, is that? Yeah, he's actually just a customer, but. A, oh, really? Yeah, you're a great guy. Oh, yeah. Well, you ride <laughs> one of your bikes. <laughs> yeah. Also very fast. So I'm not a single I thought speed. he was on your uh, on your website for one of your riders, but I, I guess we we had him do a guest blog post because he did the okay, the AZT uh -huh. uh, race yes, this year yes, and did yes, really well. Yes. And uh, and you know, it was his he had the goal this year of doing the triple crown, and so I thought it would be interesting to have him come on and talk about how the AZTR went, but then also, you know, how he was going to use that bike for accomplishing the triple crown. Um, Cause one of the things about that bike that he's on and that Alexander's on the Stella Titanium. And the one I rode today. Yeah. It's just that it's so versatile. So uh, it, it, I wanted to, we want like real world people to illustrate 
in authentic ways, like what our bikes can do versus just like pitching you a marketing video. Like right. these people are actually doing the stuff that we made the bike for. Right. And that's a more interesting way to talk about it than to make a marketing document. <laughs> well, plus having a diversity of, uh, yeah, I was, I was about to say athletes, but just individuals that, that ride bikes um, makes a lot more sense because you're reaching a different, different demographics you yeah. say, oh well we're only going to do like endurance racers well you know you're going to limit your reach there but if you yeah. have a lot of diversity the i mean we're you know humans are, are diverse so it makes a lot of sense to not limit yourself in that way yeah it's it's worked really well for us i mean we uh we definitely have like certain things we're looking for in team riders um and certain things that we're not uh but there's no like specific criteria that like someone has to meet uh, it's more like, uh, who are they and is it right? You know, is it the right, yeah. is it the right fit? Are they, are they going to be someone that we think will stay with us for a long time and we can build a relationship with? Or is this just, uh, we're doing this for two races. Like, we're not interested in that. Like, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't help us. <laughs> you have uh, some pretty unique ideas about the way you want to run your business, like the riders that you want to endorse and, uh, do you feel comfortable talking about advertising and how you don't pay for that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, we, well, to be honest, like we have paid for it in the past. Right. We right. do very, very little. I mean, uh, uh, back when uh, Neil and Lindsay were running uh, Bike Packers Mag, we had a sidebar out with them mm-hmm. early on, uh, which was really cool just to be able to advertise there, but also to be supporting them because they were really helping to develop the culture that we're all now like just thirsting and wanting more of and excited about. And the reason why we're having this talk probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and then uh, we did uh, uh, some paid advertising with bikepacking.com for uh, one, as one of their sponsors for about a little over, probably about a year and a half, I think. Um, and that was really cool working with them. Uh, but currently, uh, we're we were doing like expos and events, and we're sponsoring races, and we're sponsoring riders, and we're we're not doing any paid advertising beyond the occasional uh, forty dollar Instagram ad. You know, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> the first time I met you, you told me a story about I'll just say a, a company or uh, or a website that uh, they reviewed one of your bikes um, for free, mm-hmm. and then they came to you the next year and you had a new model and I don't remember which one it was. And they were like, okay, that'll be $450. And you were like, no, yeah. I'm not going to pay you to, like, I, I, I thought that was good. You know, like. Yeah. To, to this date, we have not paid for a single review. And, you know, what's cool is that, you know, Chumba is owned by uh, f- four of us and we all have really like the same values on, like where we want the authenticity of the company to be what's driving kind of like the quality of it. And so we're not willing to do anything to like sacrifice that, which goes to picking the right team riders um, and, you know, definitely towards advertising too. Like we're not opposed to advertising uh, when it's right. Uh, but there's there's other ways to do it that you, you can do too. Yeah. So. Well, let's talk... That was a good segue into who makes up Chumba because um, I'll just tell you my perception and versus the reality that I <laughs> learned later. Like I, I, I don't know if this is good or bad for you. I, I think good, but like my perception of y'all was a pretty, 
I would say a mid-size company, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, maybe 10 to 20 employees and, you know, a big warehouse with lots of bikes and, <laughs> you know, like, I'll let you finish it. But what I found yeah. when I came <laughs> to your shop was completely different. And I think for the better, you know, yeah, so totally. please. Yeah, tell, we're, we're tell, not like that at all. <laughs> no, you're not like that at all. So yeah, tell us what, who is Chumba? And- yeah, uh, Chumba is literally uh, four individuals or two families. So it's uh, uh, my myself and my business partner, Mark, uh, his, his partner, Mora, is our CFO. And then my partner, Michelle. Uh, so it's two families, 50% female owned, which is really cool too. And uh, Mark is the person building all of our steel frames in house all day, every day, <laughs> and often into the night. Yeah. And um, and I do all the the front end and uh, customer interfacing and all the like infrastructure stuff for the business. Um, and then uh, Michelle, uh, helps a lot with create uh, just our creative side and uh, is a great sounding board for us. She helps keep us on track and she'll give us honest answer when we're doing something wrong, which is great. That's good, and, yeah. Um, and then Mora has just like amazing, amazing business acumen. She's so smart. And uh, so we basically, we've we've got like a team of four people who are all motivated uh, on the same page and, you know, we're all passionate about making this work, so... Let's talk more about Mark for just a second. So yeah. there's literally one guy <laughs> <laughs> making all the bikes. Yeah, I'd like or, to see someone do a podcast on Mark, by the way. I, I would love to. <laughs> I, I, he's next. All right. Line cool. it up. <laughs> I'll just get everyone at Chumba. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I owe you because uh, you were the one who hooked, hooked me up with Alexandra. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, uh it, it that was that was so much fun to talk to her. Like I just can't get over. I'm I'm itching to to get another one with her. But Alexandra said that Mark is one of her favorite people on earth. So yeah, sounds like a, a a good person to get to know. But yeah, I mean, like it's just it's mind blowing that there's one guy building all the steel frames for your company. Right. How many like how many frames is he? I, I have no concept. Like I don't like how long does it? How long does one frame take to make? How about that? Uh, it, well, it depends on the bike. Right. And, uh, it depends on how many times we've built it before ah, for sure. Yeah. So like the first time you go to do a prototype, it might take 30 hours, you know, but, uh, depending on the bike. And then, uh, after you narrow it down in production, I mean, most of our bikes are between 12 and 15 hours of bike to make. So, but it's not, a. there's no like turn and burn, um, you know, mentality to what we do. Uh, we literally are crafting each individual bike as though it's like a custom bike. There's no like uh, big machine spitting out parts for There's us. Definitely not. Like we're bending it all, we're cutting it all, mitering it all, cleaning it all, cleaning it so many times, uh, um, doing all the welding, all the fixtures, all the jigs. I guess that's everything. true. So like your your sm- shop is relatively small. I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like it serves its purpose. There's a paint booth in the corner. There's- Well, that's actually our welding room. Oh, the welding room, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, if your company grows, will you get another frame builder or will you all just keep Mark and- Well, it's something we talk about often because, uh, you know, we're, we operate pretty, like extremely consistently on like a four to five week lead time. Um, 
And with that, you know, we've, we've got it set up where, you know, Mark is basically constantly building bikes. Which is really good, by the way. Yeah, a whole bike um, and, you know, four, four to five weeks for like, even if it's a complete, we're typically in there too. Um, and then, uh, you know, you can pick your color and we've got lots of customization options to choose from also. So it's not like you're getting a totally stock product and it takes that long. Yeah. Like there's things that we can do to make it more yours. I actually um, want to talk about that in a second, whenever you're done. Yeah, that's been a really interesting part of the business to to develop, um, for sure. From an outsider's perspective, it it seems like y'all are somewhere between, uh, like a custom a, a custom shop and mm-hmm. stock. You know, this is what you buy. You know, yeah. like like you're you're kind of like this is our product, but you can do all these other cool things. So maybe right. I, I thought it'd be really neat if you could just walk walk us through like, all right, I want to buy a Chumba. Oh, sure. What does that look like? Hey, hey, Vince, I want to buy a Chumba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've we've kind of built it and evolved it over time. And like over the last year and a half, I'd say it's really gotten pretty refined. Um, but the process is really where uh, we don't have pre-configured bikes sitting in boxes that we have to sell to you. Okay. Um, so instead we have all the materials in stock to make any of our bikes in any size, um, quickly. Uh, so the goal is more to discuss with, uh, our customers or clients, you know, what they want to accomplish. What, what is this bike meant for? What are, what does it mean to them? What are they going to be doing with it? Uh, sometimes people just want a bike that's fun to ride and, we're super into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other times they have been like planning to do tour divide or they're traveling to New Zealand and they want to bring a bike and do all this stuff. And, uh, it could be anything. And, uh, and what we try to specialize in is, uh, listening to those people and using the knowledge base that we have, uh, from our own, you know, worth ethic and years in the, in the bike community, uh, along with the knowledge base from our, you know, extensive uh, team testing on the bikes, um, we try to use all that knowledge to make appropriate suggestions or uh, or input for the the builds that people are are looking for, and then from there we just kind of go back and forth usually a couple times until we we find what what strikes a chord with them and then we build it. So yeah, um, but it's a really fun way to build. Uh, or it's a really fun way to run the business because um, everybody's getting exactly what they want. And what the goal is, is that, you know, the customer gets something that they're really proud to own. They already feel like it's their bike when it shows up. Um, it's it's unique to them. It's, it's catered towards them and it's going to help them accomplish what they want to do. So to us, that means if we can craft like a high quality experience, along like a high quality buying experience alongside of a high quality product, that person will probably tell somebody else about us. Yeah. And that's how we, that's how we do our advertising. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's how I met you or sorry. That's how I found out about Chumbo was through mm-hmm. uh, Luke Conlon. Oh yeah. Uh, he has a couple, he has a Terlingua and a Stella tie. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all he has, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, he, he had one. I'm like, Chumbo, what's this? And I look up the what? Oh, ooh, and then yeah. you know you meet some other people that have them, and uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's how I found out about y'all. Um, what about like all the paint color options? It seems like something y'all are doing now that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we had a we had a really different structure to the business a few years ago, where uh, you know we had a couple options in stock at all times, and that was really limiting because uh, we always had to only work with those colors. Then you're kind of almost in that category where like, oh, we need to sell what we have. Ah, uh, yeah. And we didn't like that. It was like kind of getting away from what we wanted to do and. Um, you know, we were often because of like the fact that we're building these in-house, people were always like, well, can I get it in another color? Mm-hmm. And um, after saying no a couple of times, you realize we should just be saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that it would be more fun. And, you know, we'd be building more on the message of getting people what they want, uh, getting them bikes that are unique to them. And it would just be more fun to build the bikes ourselves and like see them come out and uh, be a part of that let people be a part of the creative process more. Um, so yeah, we've been kind of developing it uh, for a while now and just slowly adding more and more colors. And we've got a couple different levels uh, for different types of processes we can do. And we're working on uh, Cerakote options with the tie now, which is really cool. And uh, we also do wet paint too. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, there's other steel companies out there that are charging, you know, Eight hundred to a thousand dollars more a frame, and there you're getting a wet paint job with it. Um, but it's the same materials that we're using, and it's made by probably someone in house. I hope as well. Um, maybe you know, maybe they're as good as Mark. I don't know. Mark's pretty <laughs> ph- phenomenal, so uh, I can't can't help but brag on him. Um, but uh, you know, we're we're letting people start at powder coat option, which is more durable than wet paint. Uh, and since we're mostly like a dirt-based company, uh, durable is usually a good thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but powder coat's a lot less expensive than uh, than wet paint. So we've kind of grown it with a whole bunch of powder coat options. And then when somebody wants to do something like really refined and unique, we'll we'll do that too. Uh, and then we approach those those higher prices for that. Well, that paint job on your Sendero that you were riding today was pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Like in the garage, I couldn't really tell, but you got on the light and it just. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's powder coat. And, uh, that's like one of our level two options. So on that bike, we charge like 160 bucks to add that to it. Oh yeah. That's a good, deal. um, and then on, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, just even, I mean, for the customer, I think that's awesome. Right. I mean, like you said, you're, you're kind of having a hand in the creative process. You're getting the bike built that you want, so you feel good about it. But from your side as a business owner, I would assume that it's a lot more enjoyable than just like building the same bike every single day, the same color. Yeah. This, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, well, yeah. I mean, as a company, like it's we now have like a much more. A diverse website and a much more diverse uh, community of riders locally, all riding bikes that look completely different, but yeah. they're all branded with our our, our product um, as Chumba. And then, uh, yeah, it's just been more fun overall. But uh, that's what I—I I mean, that's what I love about riding bikes. And uh, is that again going back to just breaking down those barriers? I mean, there's a million ways to do it, and the only thing that matters is the person that's riding the bike enjoys it and likes it, you know? And so, yeah, well, uh, I mean, the, the best endorsements we get are when people refer us. So, I mean, letting them, letting you choose your color is, is, it's a simple thing. You think it might not be as important, but it, 
for a lot of people, it might be the difference of how long they keep that bike. You know, yeah. we, we want people to keep it for a longer period of time. Color matters yeah. more it's, than it's maybe it should. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, but it, it it's like, I guess we all like identify. It's like, okay, well, that represents my personality. Whatever you think it is, you know, like totally. that bike. And and if it's just a stock color, you're like, well, that one, that one's not really, so I'm not going to buy it. And I, I've, de- I've definitely done that before. It's like, yeah, or it's like my buddies, my, you know, I know three people that have that bike. Do uh, I want to show up at the race and have the same? Yeah. Like we all on the same bike. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you want a chumba. All right. So let's, uh, I'm curious. You're an artist. Mm-hmm. Are you professionally, uh, were you professionally trained as an artist or go to school for it, I should say? Or Yeah, I, uh, I went to school six years for art. So I've got two art degrees and uh, I instructed for, I think, 12 years or oh, 11 wow. years. So that was your life before bikes? Uh, bike, that was my life company. like alongside bikes. Oh, really? So, yeah. Well, that's kind of where I was curious is how that has influenced your uh, your company. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I've had been asked it before and I haven't answered it well because it's uh, kind of... It's obscure. It's obscure. Yeah, or it's, or it's like, it, you know, I, I needed more time to think about it, I guess. Okay. Um, which is a typical art response probably that you would hear. <laughs> um, but... Uh, the first thing you think of when you think of someone who's an artist is you think of someone who's creative. But what a lot of artists are really are and what uh, kind of where how I evolved my practice of making artwork um, was that I'm someone who's really driven by process. So I'm fascinated with how things are made, fascinated with how to get from point A to point B, um, envisioning the, the work in my head and seeing it evolve to the final product. So um, in terms of how my art practice relates to uh, what we've created at Chumba, it's really, um, I'm really fascinated with the concept of pouring yourself into something and uh, making it extremely refined over a period of time. So, uh, you know, I'm interested in making the, process from A to B. Uh, oh, I've lost it. <laughs> it's difficult to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, cause it's, uh, it's to me, it's so much more than just like the idea of like, Oh, it's, it's, you're creative. It's, it's not really like that. I mean, you know, definitely like there's a lot of creative problem solving. I think I have a, a different way of looking at uh, issues that arise or production issues, all kinds of different things huh. than, someone without an art background might have, um, you know, art, art making's also got me really, uh, open to the idea of receiving criticism and taking feedback and trying to, uh, work through something to make it stronger. So, you know, in, in a good art making practice, like you seek out and look for feedback and, and the goal is to, uh, to grow and to make something that's, uh, at a higher level of refinement than, than you could have without that feedback. So, uh, that kind of goes into like the thinking about how the team is involved and the thinking about how, uh, surrounding, uh, surrounding myself with the partners that I have, uh, has helped me build the, my, my portion of the business stronger, uh, by using their feedback to, to grow. 
Yeah. So it's almost like being an artist has taught you maybe a different way to operate a business and interact with people and go through processes. It's not necessarily like you're making art, but you're you're like approaching things as an artist and with that mindset. Yeah, it's a different approach. And I mean, the other thing with art is uh, you're also, you're trying when you're making something, uh, a lot of times, sometimes you're just making stuff because you're making stuff. Um, art's not always so fancy as it's this up on a pedestal. A lot of times you're just working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just working and making it. And, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, usually uh, there's something that you're trying to relate to somebody or you're trying to get a response from somebody. You're trying to uh, put a message into something or a feeling or, um, an idea and, uh, and all that kind of relates, uh, very much so that, you know, like the, the way to kind of uh, string it together is that there's intention to the things that we do. And in artwork, when you're making really good art, you're doing it with intention in my opinion. So even if it comes through naturally, you know, it's, uh, you, that's part of the process that you're intending to do. So. Do you look at your bikes as uh, works of art? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, especially uh, especially when customers make really good component selections. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we definitely, we make a wide variety of stuff. Um, but I think that if you look at like the, the very close details of how they're put together, you can see that... Uh, they come from a place of that thinking. And then with Mark's uh, just drive for quality and his craftsmanship, you know, they, they end up there too. So, I mean, if you look at his process, if you look at his welds, you're not really going to find anything wrong with anything. You're not going to find somebody who's doing it any better than he is. What happens when he makes a mistake? <laughs> he gets really pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it in the trash or you um, cut it up, you spare parts or? Well, that doesn't really happen. It doesn't much. happen. Yeah. Wow. He's that good. Yeah. We don't really have like, we don't do That's factory cool. seconds. Like they're like, we usually that happens during the prototype process. So we, you know, it's the same thing. So it's like, it's really interesting because Mark comes from a really different background and yeah. I don't want to tell his story. I want his story to be told by him, but, uh He's also extremely process driven, but from a completely different perspective than art making practice. Uh, in my opinion, maybe not. He needs to say it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it works really well because, you know, he's from a machinist uh, and, you know, metal bending background um, in aerospace. Um, you know, and I'm over here in this like art background, but we're both trying to make a process more refined. So it's really cool because. You know, we we have really similar goals, and sometimes we have different ways of thinking about them. Yeah. And luckily, rather than being someone who I butt heads with, and instead, like we're just two people that like we seem to work really well and kind of inspire like good ideas back and forth. Yeah. So the end result those, is those a better, partnerships better are, product are good. Yeah, it's really fun, man. I mean, he's fun to work with, and it's it's really cool to. Uh, get to contribute ideas and then see them built really well. Yeah. Like that's so cool. Like, I mean, it'd be, it'd be such a different experience if like I was so invested in all this like uh, quality, but then the end product just wasn't up to snuff. I'd be such a, 
such a bummer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I was wondering because I definitely, I don't, I mean, I, there's a lot of bike websites, you know, but I, I, for whatever reason, I keep coming back to yours, maybe because they're made in Texas and I'm a Texan or made in, made in USA. All of them are made in USA. Um, but yeah, they're just beautiful. I mean, they just really like, thanks. I don't know. <laughs> there's something about them. Very clean, uh, simple. I like simple. I don't, you don't need a lot of busy, you know, right. I don't. Uh, like a good clean bike looks solid, well built, nice lines, um, just sexy. You yeah, know? that's pretty much what we're after in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. I nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. We want to make bikes that are, you know, they're timeless. You know, you if you look at it now, you're going to look at it in ten years and be like, damn, that's a nice looking bike. Well, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about Chumba's process of like, since you're a small shop and you got one guy doing frames. What frames, like, how do you decide that, okay, we're going to do this frame? Right. And I mean, you can't make every single bike. So how did, how did y'all get to where, okay, we're only doing steel and tie. Mm-hmm. And these are the bikes that, maybe this is a really big question, but. Well, it is, but it'd be fun to talk about for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to, I guess to start it off, like, why did we decide to do steel and tie? I mean, we, we really wanted to make bikes in metal and we wanted to make bikes that, you know, first and foremost, that are durable. And I don't believe that aluminum bike is durable and I don't believe that a carbon bike is durable. Um, you know, I've had, I've had every frame material and ridden it extensively over the course of my riding and how I've felt on each of those materials beyond just like the ride quality, but like my trust in those components you know, the, the frame as the component uh, is different for each material. So with steel and titanium, there's a lot more trust. And if we're asking, if we're, t- if, if we're going to be uh, bold enough to tell people that you can do something like Tour Divide or, you know, bike across Thailand or into the sands of the Sahara through from Morocco and like back through the Atlas Mountains, like one of our team riders did a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, if we're going to say that, you can do that on our bikes. Like they better be able to do it. <laughs> um, and so I don't, you know, of course, aluminum bike could do it. A carbon bike could do it, but you wouldn't be able to trust in it the same way. Yeah. In, in my opinion. Well, I think that's a valid point. I, when I went to the place that we don't speak of, <laughs> I, on my, I, cause I have a, I always forget what it's called a pony wrestler. It's carbon mm-hmm. fiber bike. And it was definitely like something I was thinking about. Like, this is not. Yeah, I, I don't mean, want I'm to think way about out that. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and if something, and I've I've had two carbon frames break in the past, um, right. just through regular riding, not even crashing or anything. So, I'm actually uh, my chain stay, no, my seat stay on that pony wrestler broke like the first month I have it, and they warrantied or whatever. But yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's a legitimate concern that you have to be aware of. Yeah, like I think one of the differences is because we're such a small company, if we get a warranty, it's like the worst day, man. Mm. Like we feel like that shit. That was my next question is. Yeah, we, when the, when that happens, we feel like shit. Like so we don't want that to happen How often at do you all. feel like shit? Not often, man. It's pretty freaking that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we've had one titanium warranty over hundreds of frames in the last five years. Uh, and it was repairable, like a slight crack. It was probably just like a defect in the tube. And we've had, I think in the last five years, we've had five steel warranties and that's it. Wow. 
And yeah. those are all on mountain bikes too. And that's one nice thing about that material too, I'm assuming is like, sometimes you can fix them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sometimes you can fix this stuff um, or, you know, and and the, the big thing is that uh, none of those warranties were catastrophic. We've never had a catastrophic failure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, talk to any mountain bike company, ask them how many frame failures they've had in the last five years over the course of a couple thousand bikes and they'll be interested to see what they tell you. Well, that that <laughs> that could get into another interesting side of the industry that we touched on earlier where it's a different business model. It is a different business model, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? You know, we kind of sit between a custom and a production company. Right. And this is kind of why we can have this opinion too uh, about it. Um, so, you know, there's there's all different ways to build a bike company and there's not like one right or wrong way to do it. You know, this is the way we chose to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, what seems to be the most pervasive uh, strategy has been to uh, put a lot of energy into designing a good product, uh, outsource that product to be made overseas, uh, get a large quantity of it and try to move it before it's landed. Um, and then hope that that goes well. Yeah. I've, <laughs> uh, I've been on, well, just to speak to that real quick, because when I had my golf store, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. They come a year to six months before the product is even made. And they're like, hey, this is what we're going to be coming out with. We need you to go ahead and commit. Right. And so the the manufacturer has already sold pretty much everything. And, and then, they a, just, then they just push it onto the retailer. It's a huge struggle for dealers to deal with, especially yeah. small shops. So. Yeah, it's a big problem that I really don't like. So Yeah. Um, yeah, brick and mortar shops have definitely... I think you've definitely seen like a big decline in the amount of shops out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, stocking these massive bikes over the course of time. But, um, you know, it's it's not like a wrong way to do it. It's just not the way that we want to do it. Um, you know, it's far for me to tell anybody how to run their business. But, um, you know, the, the industry overall to me is, you know, it, it's definitely one where like people are building really cool stuff. You know, we're building interesting products. Uh, I've seen plenty of things made overseas that are really interesting and compelling bikes. Um, the difference is that we take full ownership of our product. We see it from start to finish. Uh, everything we have has been quality controlled entirely in house. Like if you bought a bike from us, whether you got it from our dealer or not, Mark or I, or both of us have had our hands on it. We've touched it and we've, you know, ensured that that bike is, is in good shape and meant to be out in the world and put through what we build it for. Um, I don't think a lot of companies that are our scale can say that, uh, especially when they're receiving their product in a box and then sending it out in the same box. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, this is not something that we want to do. So our goal is, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the other thing to unpack that that comes along with that mentality of building a business is that, you know, if you're selling a massive volume of something, you know, you've got your investors saying we need this amount of growth or whatever, and you need to sell the same amount next year. Or guess what? They probably want you to sell more next year. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that if your, you know, if your product lasts for 10, 10 years to a lifetime. That, that was the point I was thinking while you were talking, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they're the planned, uh, you know, I'm not gonna walk down that path too 
too opinionated. I mean, we don't even have to talk about bikes, but just the <laughs> manufacturing industry in as a whole. Exactly. Look at the we big just picture. we and I mean, and we can talk about American consumerism. Like it, it goes bigger. It's just like we're used to use it, throw it away, buy a new one, you know, or whatever. Like, right. Yeah, and uh, you know, or you know, use it, uh, lose faith in it, sell it while it's used, and buy a new one. Or that's what yeah. happens in the bike industry yeah. a lot. Um, and then you know, all the people buying used bikes, who knows what they're getting? It's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And then your warranty is gone. Right. Yeah, once you sell it. So. Yeah. So I mean, uh, our methodology as a company is we want to build really long-lasting, high-quality products that uh, people will get, and they'll be so inspired by owning that they'll tell their people to buy them. And the goal is to kind of create little micro communities throughout our customer base of people who are riding riding our bikes. And then, you know, if if you like our bikes so much, like there's a good chance you might buy one in one of our other categories for a different style of riding. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, in my opinion, like if you're buying a new race bike from us every year, like, something's wrong. Like we, we're not doing that. We're not doing the job that we set out to do. Like, I don't, well, you don't even have a new race bike from Dubai every year, do you? No, I mean, <laughs> oftentimes we, we wait a couple of years to make revisions, which is pretty standard in the, in the industry. Like they might change paint jobs, but there's yeah. not a lot different True. often. Yeah. Um, usually it's like a two year to three year run for most things. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting. What, what dictates that? Um, is it, uh, new, new riding, not riding styles, but like <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive to uh, make new molds uh, for carbon. It's expensive to make new forms for aluminum. It's expensive yeah. to redo all the CAD drawings to, uh, you know, tr train train the uh, the welders and the frame builders to, uh, to to just to do all the manufacturing, all the production. It's it's expensive, so retooling is is a big thing um you know that in the production industry is it's where you can make or lose a lot of your money for sure but so from for chumba like you say okay the stella we're only going to have this for two years y'all don't do that do you no we've had I mean, we've had the stella since day one and we've made uh refinements to it um but like that's a that's kind of like a cult level bike for us, you uh -huh. know, among our base that I don't see going away anytime soon. Uh, but we'll probably continue to refine it over time. So that that's, I guess that's where I'm trying to get is like, what's causing, what's driving the refinement? It's new technologies. It's, uh, you figure out a better way to build it or like what's driving the change. Like you have a bike right now. It's freaking awesome. Why change it? Right. Yeah, that's a good a good question. Um, I think that some of it's you know time. You know, the, like the longer that you're spending with things, and you definitely see, uh, you know, trends in the industry and the way people are riding changing. And sometimes you have to respond to that. Um, like the Stella, as an example, there's not much that we would change. You know, um, really, all the bikes that we've had that we've you know released other versions of. It's been really subtle variations, you know, maybe to make it more like increase the compatibility even further um, or increase the tire clearances even further, things like that. Um, you know, we we put a lot into uh, 
prototyping and testing each model and putting it through the paces. And that's a big part of what the team does for us is getting their feedback from riding it and then getting them out to go out and actually prove that it can do what we want it to do. Um, so by the time that we go to launch the product, like we're pretty confident that we can keep it around for a while. So how long would y'all prototype a product? It d- really depends on the bike. So yeah. like Some, uh, sometimes they're, they're like, oh man, we need this. And other times like, dude, this is so awesome. Yeah. I mean, so sometimes it takes a lot. Um, you know, when we did the fat bike years ago, we probably did like five or six prototypes and it was over the course of maybe like eight months. Um, and then uh, the latest one, the Sendero, um, I had been thinking about specifically like what I wanted in that bike for over a year. And then, you know, we, you know, I, I narrowed it down with Mark uh, and some of the team riders feedback for sure, like uh, to get the initial prototype planned. And then we wrote it and because I had spent so much time thinking about it, I think this is kind of where like some of the art making practice falls into it too, because artists spend a lot of time thinking about what they want to make and concentrating on it and building it in their brains before they actually build it. Um, You know, we did that first prototype and it was close and it needed refinement, uh, but it it was close. So uh, from there we made uh, two more and then you know, now we have a model. Uh, so that one happened uh, more quickly once once we started building, uh, but it took a lot to develop it initially and, you know, convince everyone that this was going to be it. Um, same for the Terralingo. Like, we spent a lot of time analyzing that geometry and trying to, uh, with each of the bikes, really, but, I mean, the Terralingo, the Stella, and the Sendero in particular, those, those three models one of the things we spent so much prototyping in them is uh, getting the compatibility right. So it fits the widest array of cranks, chainring sizes, tire sizes, wheel sizes, uh, fork options. Um, and we don't like saying that our bikes do everything. Um, the goal is to make uh, something that is refined and, and we know and recommend where it's optimal. But if we're asking you to keep it for 10 years plus, like it's going to need to be adaptable to different terrains and different ride styles. Um, or, you know, as you grow in your riding, you might completely change what your goals are and maybe you want to build the bike towards a different purpose. And if your bike can't do that, then you're buying a new bike. So, um, if we can like know where the bikes are optimal, but build them so that they're extremely compatible, it just leaves a lot of options on the table. And what we've found, our team does and what I've done personally quite a bit on, on those bikes too, is like the Stella tie, for example, uh, that's the bike that I, uh, race, uh, cross country geared on and do marathon race on. And then, you know, Oh, now I want to do, uh, you know, four years, single speed, uh, you know, cross country racing. And well, now I want to go on a bike packing trip and I'll put my suspension fork and 27 plus on it. Uh, but it's all one frame. Yeah. So, I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually, that's, that's one thing that I really like about your company. I know others do that too, have versatility in mind, but, um, in my own life, I try to get the most out of each bike instead of having, I know if I was rich, right, I'd have 20 or 30 bikes, but I'm not. So, uh, I gotta, I gotta, 
ask my bike to do as much as it can. And I really like that your, your bikes are made to, like you said, accept all, I mean, whether you want to do single speed or you want to go geared, you want to throw suspension on there. Um, and then tire clearance is a big thing too. Whether like the tie, the Stella I was riding today, you said it would do um, a 29er with, what's the clearance on the 29er? Uh, on our Stella tie? Yeah. Uh, up to a 3.0. Oh, that's on a 275 though. No, on a 29. No way. Yeah. <laughs> a 29? Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> what will it do on a 27? A three also. Oh, okay. Yeah, it maxes out at three. It just max. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. There, it, you just threw in a, no, a whole nother yeah. uh, <laughs> wheel tire size combo I didn't know about. But I love that, man. Because like I really, I'm a big um, proponent of, I always say it all the time, but I mean, just ride your damn bike, you know, mm -hmm. like I used to have what I'll call a problem where I, <laughs> I would buy a new bike like every six months and that's not an exaggeration. And my local bike shop, I don't think likes me quite as much, but <laughs> um, I still buy a lot of stuff, but like my frame doesn't need to change. You know, like if you have a good frame, mm -hmm. It can do, like I've had everything from a 37C tire on there up to a 2.6 inch tire and, you know, 27.5 and 29er. And you can, it's just, your bike can become what you need it to be for whatever you feel like. If you feel like riding this way or if you're doing an event or based on the terrain that you're doing and you don't need to have like 10 different bikes in your stable to go and right. enjoy it. You yeah, know? you can just change some parts and... I mean, the the difference though is like as a company, you run the risk of uh, making something that's not good at anything. And so we, that's part of the process that we like really strive. If we're going to make something that's extremely versatile, how do we make it really optimized at certain things? That's a good question. How do you do that? Just a <laughs> lot of, a lot of planning and a lot of testing. And the thing is like, uh, you can make a bike that's really compatible. Uh, that's a good race bike. Yeah, great race bike. I mean, we've got people winning all kinds of stuff on the Stella uh, platform. Um, but then, like we just said, you can also run a 29 three-inch tire on it. No one's probably going to win a cross-country race doing that, but they'll probably have a great time doing the Baja Divide on it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so uh, and then guess what? When they come home, they can race their bike again. Maybe it's not optimized for riding at 29 by 3.0, but for that trip, they're going to have a good time. Right. And then they can come back and make it a race bike again. So, you know, it's important to know, like, where the bikes will excel the most. And for us as a company, it's important to have bikes that excel in different categories and uh, can kind of like cross-pollinate it being good at some of the other options mm -hmm. available too. So, uh, well, I got away from that question that I asked you earlier about, because we started with Ty and Steel, and then we were going to talk about the different models that you make and why. Yeah. So how many are there right now? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, we have our Terralingua, which is in Steel and in Ty. Uh, our Stella, which is in Ty, or in Steel and in Ty. Uh, the Sendero is new. That's our new mountain bike. Uh, the, and the, and the Del Amo, which is our road bike. Um, we have a couple Ursas left that are soon to be out of stock. Um, and then we previously had a couple other models. Do you want to plug how much those are real quick? 
Uh, well, there's there's one medium left and two extra larges. There you go. And they're they're on sale for uh, nine ninety nine a frame. Made, good deal. Made in house. It's like about four hundred bucks off, I think. Yeah. So it's a it's a good get them while they last. Yeah. Yeah. End of an era. It's a great bike, man. Like, but the thing is, we can't make everything. Uh, well, that's kind of why where I was going with it. It's like, okay, you got Mark. You can only build X number of frames. So, well, and, and guess what? Like that bike should be like two thousand dollars it's it's so much more intent time intensive to make than some of these other bikes so uh that has so many brazons and you know so many it has customized yoke and the the bends on everything to fit on 29 plus tires specifically are really specific so there's it's all about balance and it's about trying to find the products that we want to ride and our team wants to ride uh, and that our customers will will hopefully respond positively towards, um, and focus our energies on that, um, and all the while kind of refining how we manufacture them. Um, I guess that's something that maybe companies that order stuff overseas might not have to do as much. I don't I don't know. I haven't thought like about streamline their their yeah maybe offering. they can have a larger workflow or a larger range of offerings because you know, they can focus their energy on making the design, which maybe is a boon for them. But uh, I like the idea of having like a really concise, refined grouping of offerings. And I think that my partners do do too. Um, so that we're kind of presenting like something that's been really like honed and specific. Um, so yeah, what we're trying to do is have a, uh, a gravel bike and steel and tie that can also be utilized for cross racing. We've got a lot of people on our team and customers racing it on cyclocross too. Uh, mountain bike and steel and tie with the Stella uh, that is designed to be a cross country endurance race bike um, and is also a phenomenal ultra race bike packing bike. Um, and now that we can fit even larger tires, you know, arguably a really good touring uh, bike as well. We've had a lot of customers you know, you know, build it as a, as a, a bike towards, you know, uh, bike packing and touring as well, for sure. Not just ultra racing. Um, and then on the Sendero, something that's more trail specific and frankly, like we're seeing a big growth in, uh, in the industry, I think, in, uh, bike packers gravitating towards trail bikes too, because not everybody's out there to like set a record or, mm -hmm. or win, win something. Some people just want to have fun <laughs> and uh, we have to have bikes that are fun, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I would probably make the argument that most people are out there to have fun. Oh, I think so. You know I mean? There, yeah. There's like the top level athletes, but well, I, and though, like I, I get, I draw a lot of inspiration from them and I, I, you like, I'll think about Alexandra when I'm on a ride. I was thinking about her all day today whenever I was riding that single yeah. speed. And I was thinking, <laughs> this is the bike she was riding. Right. Uh, single speed on the Tour Divide with all of her gear over all those mountain passes. And I'm out here in Texas, like getting my butt kicked, you know. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I draw a lot of inspiration from people that have, do amazing things on bikes. But at the same time, like, my mode is more just go have fun, like go experience, go right. get on your bike and go ride, you know, just have a good time. Oh, totally. But, but, but remember that a big driving force of the cycling industry has always been racing. So, of course, everyone always wants to have fun, 
but people want to go fast. Yeah. Well, fast is fun. <laughs> fast is fun. Yeah. Fast equals fun. But yeah. what comes first, the fast or the fun? <sighs> I don't know. It's got to be fast to be fun. So not oh, always. Not always. Not always. Yeah. It doesn't. But fa- fast. fast is fun. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> do do you think that? The uh, like bike packing specifically, I think you're, I mean, obviously with like uh, gravel racing, like fast is big and road and, and cross country, but like bike packing specifically, do you think, I mean, I don't see a big like race. I mean, you got tour divide and uh, well, Colorado I, trail race and all that stuff, yeah. but like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I'm just wondering, like, it seems to me anecdotally that, most people that bike pack are just going on like camping trips with their bike. Well, we get, we get a lot of people uh, working with us to do bike packing builds. Um, and one of the questions we get asked all the time is, you know, which of these setups will be faster. And it's not necessarily like they want to set a speed record or race something. So they want to cover a lot of ground. Right. They want to, they want advantages to help them, uh, cover that ground and be able to enjoy the experience more. So a lot of times if like, if you're building a bike towards being faster, it might actually mean that the bike is built towards being more comfortable because over the course of a, you know, week long bike packing trip, if your bike's not comfortable and it's just built to be quote unquote racer boy fast, yeah, um, then it's not really serving the purposes of actually making you cover that terrain faster. So we try to find like that blend of uh, performance, comfort, and 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 put it into each bike too. That's what you got to do because like I always say, especially on like longer rides, you have to be comfortable. If you're not comfortable, you're going to be miserable the whole time. You're not going to be having fun and you're probably not going to do as much mileage. Well, and those are specific characteristics that are pervasive in the the culture of steel and titanium bikes. So those bikes are meant to be durable and comfortable and fast. Yeah. Well, I got to hand it to you. I was beyond impressed with the Stella. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting across the table from <laughs> me. Uh, I mean, it was single speed, just bare bones. I mean, it had a, a 120 fork on the front. Um, but yeah, like I was shocked because for most people probably aren't aware, but the the trails around Austin are all very, very rocky. Uh, sharp rocks, big rocks, little rocks, <laughs> every kind of rock you can imagine. And I was expecting to get just like hammered on this thing. And I was just, I, I had a permagrin on the whole time. Like I was just having a really good time. And I, I still am not quite sure how that bike felt so good, but it did. So congrats, it worked. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that it's interesting because the industry is telling everybody, buy a carbon bike, you know, buy this full suspension. Um, But, you know, the reality is maybe that's not what you should be on necessarily. That's the reality that I'm coming to. Those bikes are cool and they have a place too. And there's things that you can do with uh, carbon design that you can't do the same way with steel and, and, and titanium. So they have a place. Yeah. Um, but for our company, like we're interested in the the other side of it. Well, yeah. I mean, just as a rule, I will never bash anyone for riding any kind of bike. You yeah, know I mean, for sure. Who gives, you know, go You're riding your bike. That's, 
the only thing that's important. That's the only thing that's important. So all I'm ever doing is just talking about my personal. Right. I mean, we're all on a journey trying to figure out, and it changes. It's like, oh man, I want to try this. I want to, you know, do that or or whatever, you know. And that's part of the fun, which kind of goes back to your bikes being versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we should uh, we should talk about single speed just a little bit. Oh, for sure. Uh, since you are kind of the single speed guy, I don't know if that's a fair <laughs> uh, title or not, but uh, you definitely. Uh, what would you say? Six years you've been riding single speed? Oh no, I've my. My first bike was single speed, so. Well, mine was too. Yeah, no, I mean like my first bike when I actually started like legitimately okay. riding. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been riding single speed bikes since uh, 2001. Yeah. So. I've I've been somewhat vocal about not, not like any hate towards single speed, just been <laughs> like no interest in it. Like, yeah. like why, you know, right. like when there's perfectly good gears, there's all this, <laughs> you know, and you're yeah. happy. Like, why would you put yourself through the pain and suffering of a single speed? Well, it's interesting. And maybe you got a taste of it today, but it's maybe not quite as bad as you thought. I, that's exactly um, what I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's trade-offs. I mean, uh, Single speed, you're always in the right gear. <laughs> I had that exact same thought today. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to tell you, never once on this ride did I wonder if I was in the right gear. Yeah. I never had to think like. Well, it's all about, it, it, it comes back to like having fun. Um, and for me, like single speed is fun because it focuses my riding differently than when I ride with gears. When I ride with gears, I'm trying to make the optimal choices in my selections. Um, and, and that's great because sometimes I can get an advantage on certain sections and go faster in a flat and a harder gear or easier on a climb and recover faster at the top. Um, but in the single speed, uh, you're focused on your momentum. You know, if there's a climb, you're probably not lollygagging up, you're charging it and it feels good. You get to the top and you're like, I just crushed that. That was great. <laughs> um, or I couldn't do it and I had to walk, which happens to me all the time too. Yeah, <laughs> so, I walked a couple today. Yeah, I walked a couple. It, it happens. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's the thing. It's like with single speed, it's like you either do it or you can't. Yeah. And guess what? If you can't, you're probably more likely to go back and try it again until you do get it. And then your riding's going to improve. So whenever I've gone back to riding gears, which has usually been for like, you know, marathon racing or all my bike packing, except for one trip's been on uh, geared geared setups and you know usually i'll i'll put gears on and train with them before those trips so that i'm you know not having a miserable time with my endurance being weak um and it's just like it's not as much fun to me so you know like they're single speed is not right for everybody but i think that there's definitely like uh advantage for everyone to give it a try at some point even if you just borrow a bike from a buddy yeah um because it just focuses your riding differently. And uh, as a business uh, owner and uh, a new dad and somebody whose life is like really jam-packed, which is mostly my own fault because I I try to do too much. (laughs) Uh, Single speed is great because like all I have to do is, you know, once a year I bleed my brakes, you know, every two weeks I put some chain lube on and I just have to pump my tires and keep sealing in there and my bike Sings. It's, it's always tuned it's in. always ready to go. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of interesting because my own, the the older I get or the more I've been cycling, like 
the more I'm looking for simplicity. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the bikepacking side, just looking to, you know, get down to the bare minimum of what you need. Yeah. And 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 take away all the crap that you don't. And I've tried to do it on my bikes. I try to do it in my life. And so the less crap you have, the more you're able to like stop focusing on the stuff that doesn't matter and just focus on what you're there to do, which is ride your bike. Yeah. And you, and, you get a single speed and you start looking at the trail different. You know, you start thinking like, what can I do to increase my momentum? How can I how can I get my front wheel around this obstacle so that I'm not slowing down, you know, before I start this climb? Yeah. Uh, you know, how can I take this corner without breaking so that I can be ready for the climb behind it? And then all of a sudden you've done that section faster than you've ever done it before. That's what I was about to say is we averaged uh, nine and a half miles an hour today, which I don't I don't have my other bike here to know what I would have done it in. But mm-hmm. like, I was under the impression that I was going to be super slow. Like, yeah, I, like I, I didn't have a number in my head, but I was just like, <laughs> it's going to be slow. There's only one gear, so it's going to top out. It's not going to be able to go as fast. And then right. I'm not going to go as fast up the climbs because it's not geared just perfectly for that. So I was expecting the the culmination to be that the overall ride would be slower. But like I kept telling you on the ride, it's like, this thing's like a rocket ship, man. I mean, yeah, it's fun. I mean, part of it is less weight. Yeah, there's definitely less weight. I mean, there's also less like, oh God, is my derailleur going to hit that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I but, just uh, run into it anyway, yeah. but you know, that's just me. Yeah, I got to I got to drop all the single speed memes though. So, I mean, you know, the other big one is that you actually do have two gears. You have standing up and sitting down. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> I learned another one today, the 3220, the party gear. That's the party gear, man. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. It's where you got to start. Yeah, it's- it, it You can do anything gear. with the 3220. <laughs> Except for a couple of those climbs. Yeah, but if you tried them again. Oh, if I tried them again, yeah. I. That's the thing is like, I could totally see myself, like if I had that bike, I could, I would, I would just- ride it like i think that would be totally fine like riding local trails riding around town whatever like it's it's totally fine i think like if i was going to go on a bike packing trip i'd still uh yeah opt for gears i'm not as badass as some of yeah your riders but alexander's pretty amazing in that respect like she's about to take on the colorado trail race and she's still doing it single speed right just like the same bike as tour de vivo some different parts and different gearing um I did a section of that trail uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, and I did it with gears. And the whole time I was there, I was like, I wish I brought my single speed. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, I had to hike a lot. And when I went, um, there was a lot of wet weather still. There was a lot of mud. So a lot of the climbs just like weren't even an option to try to ride. It was just mud. and so, like, the whole time I was doing it, I was like, God, this would be perfect for a single speed because it's like you're either on the bike or off the bike. Yeah. And with all the gear, you know, I was walking anyways, so I might as well enjoy being on a single speed the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I I wanted I wanted to like it. I didn't want to come here today and have a miserable time, obviously. Like, we were <laughs> going for a bike ride, and so, like, I came into it, like, wanting, like, excited to try yeah. it. But I was also, like... Kind, kind of. I was skeptical. <laughs> I was, yeah, that's a good way to point it. I was like, all right, how is this going to go, man? Uh, it's kind of funny, like that I haven't ridden one before, but I haven't. Yeah, uh, and it was, it was not well, bad. They can still be like. Uh, I'm upgrading my status on uh, <laughs> single speeds to 
they're not that bad. They're not that bad. <laughs> uh, they're cool. okay. <laughs> hey, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, agree to disagree, but it is a step in the right direction. You've <laughs> taken the first step. Um, mm. But the thing with uh, single speeds too is that uh, I think a lot of times people forget like you can change your gear. You just have to do it before you start riding. And, yeah. you know, so like there's certain trails where I'll put on a harder gear because it's, you know, flat, flatter. And I know I can, you know, get more out of that ride if I'm in a harder gear. Uh, and there's rides where, you know, I want it to be easier and, you know, if it's more challenging and technical and I have a lot of climbing, you know, you might change it ahead of time. So, um, so alongside of that, you know, the bike needs to be easy to do that too, uh, in my opinion. So that's one of the reasons we use sliding dropouts instead of like eccentric bottom bracket. Yeah. What kind of riding are you doing these days? Uh, mostly trail riding. Uh, for the vast majority, uh, mountain biking locally here quite a bit. Um, and then uh, I'll be preparing to do uh, a bunch of cross race, cyclocross racing on my Terralingua Titanium uh, in a couple months. Nice. How have you liked the Austin cycling scene? Oh, it's awesome, man. Yeah. It's great. Tell I'm, me about it. It's, so, I mean, I live two hours away. Yeah, I'm interested I come to hear how different, how is it different? As I'm interested in too. What do you mean different and what, like, what do you mean? Well, you asked like, how's the Austin cycling scene? But I mean, I think there's also like a, there's like a central Texas cycling scene too, which oh, you're a part of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I am. I mean, I, I've never ridden, uh, I, I mean, we, okay. So we rode from your house down the road and then we hopped on some trails and we were networking through trails and paved paths. And I mean, you took me all over. Um, but it was, it's just cool because like you're always close to town, so you can go grab a, a taco like we did right. or or whatever. You just hop out and, and go for a ride, which which was really neat. But like, yeah, I my experience with Austin is I just come and ride the trails mm -hmm. and then I leave. And so I haven't really experienced the culture of the of the cycling community here. Right. I hear good things, but I just it's, I don't know. It's extremely diverse in terms of like the the styles of uh, of the of the riding of the culture, like you have like the Thursday night social ride that's like a couple hundred people might show up and do a critical mass around town, and every type of bike is represented there probably. And then you've got you know the driveway series and a, a, a large like demographic of road racers, uh, a lot of like uh, kind of underground uh, cyclocross pop up races where you might find anybody <laughs> from like a basket bike and a button up t-shirt to, uh, you know, uh, someone on like a $7,000 race bike in the same event. Wow. Um, and then, uh, you know, as far as, uh, trail network, I mean, we have a, a phenomenal trail network that is, is maintained by a lot of incredible individuals and, uh, the Austin Ridge riders does a great job advocating for, for the trails here and keeping them open and, and helping to maintain them. Uh, but I mean, if you look at Austin and you point your finger anywhere, like within like a 10 mile radius outside of town, you're pretty much going to find a trail system. Like, I think we probably have more, I'm not sure if we have more options than anyone else in Texas, but I feel like, I feel very privileged by the amount of options and choices that are available. Um, the benefit for me is living in South Austin. There's quite a bit that I can just ride to, but uh, if I want to get in my car within 20 minutes, I can be at all kinds of different trails in you know a short amount of time in any direction that yeah. you can look at on the map. So, yeah. um, 
It's really fun. You know, it's a, it's a good place to build bikes because uh, we have everything from like the ride that we did today, which, you know, was, you know, fast flowy. There's definitely some rocks, but, you know, you can float through most of the rock gardens um, to, you know, things that are extremely challenging. Like, you know, you have to really spend time to build up to do a certain feature and get your nerve up to, to accomplish it. Uh, you know, downhill rock ledge lines and dropping, you know, big, big drop-offs and, you know, uh, where we kind of miss out is on a lot of purpose-built trails. So there's not a lot of like super groomed clean stuff. Like really yeah. all we have for that is Walnut and that's great that we have that. And it's got some cool, cool trail features on it for sure. Um, but we have like a lot of really challenging trail here with uh, every type of terrain thrown in from uh, kitty litter over top of hard pack to, you know, big gnarly limestone slipping and sliding everywhere. And yeah, you know, I definitely think riding here makes you a better rider. It's because it, yeah. the trails are challenging and the risk reward is pretty like if you fall there, you're either going to be in a cactus or on a rock <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you want to, you want to get it right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, my my personal riding like improved so much from coming here and like i thought previously that i was like a decent rider and like if i look back at myself uh nine years ago you know uh like i'm not saying i'm an amazing rider but i'm i'm a lot better than i was well hopefully we're all progressing yeah we're all progressing that's what it's about and i mean you know you can do that no matter where you live but uh if you're if you have interesting stuff around you and you take advantage of it, it's it's really cool. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well, enjoying it. Yeah, the people too, you know, like the more people that you're around that can influence. And I mean, just watching someone do something, you're like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. And right. it kind of helps. Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, how is your question how I perceive the bike culture in Austin or how is it in College Station? Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious because I mean, my... My experience with bike culture throughout Texas, uh, not in Austin, is basically uh, from doing like the cyclocross race series and from doing the mountain bike race series and the marathon series and those kind of events. And, you know, seeing seeing people who come from all over Texas and even outside of Texas to those events and seeing the community there. But, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't racers who don't go to those events. So what's it like in your neighborhood? Uh, not great. I mean, in terms of like, I mean, you know, where I live, the cycling community is not very strong. Like I do most of my rides solo. Um, part of that is just personal preference. Like, you know, you deal with people all day, like, I'm, <laughs> you know, in my real job and you're just, I mean, whatever, you're just like, you got family, you got work. And for me, a lot of times, like going to ride a bike is my therapy. It's my stress relief and go out and just enjoy, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, that part of it is just like a personal preference, but I, I've talked about on the podcast, it's super weird. Like, I, I think, you know, Carrie Snow that uh, lives in College Station. We got Billy Rice and Jose Bermudez and Luke Conlon. And uh, I don't, we have like a bunch of bike packers. We just had a couple of yeah. guys that, <laughs> did uh, a, a lot of the Tour Divide trail. Um, it, it, so it's weird. We don't have like a super strong overall bike culture other than a really big roadies like group. Mm -hmm. um, but like 
we, for whatever reason, this small town or semi-small town of College Station, Texas, there's like some pretty well-known bike packers and yeah. uh, and I still haven't figured out how that came to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't really know how, but uh, but it it, it, it it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's it's cool that there's people I can ring up and you know go go do trips with or uh, or just get inspired by. You know, I mean, uh, if it wasn't for like the people in the community, like for me, finding out about bikepacking happened at the same time, like Ride the Divide came out um, and I had friends that started to get into it. And I'm like, holy crap, this is perfect. Cause I'm, I'm an outdoors person. That's where I'm happy. And I am riding my bike. That's where I'm happy. So put yeah. it together and, and boom. But I've never been in a city where there's like a really vibrant bike culture where like you're talking about you show up to critical mass and there's a hundred mass and there's like a hundred or 200 people and you might have like a low rider bike and a road bike or whatever it is. Like, um, I think it sounds awesome, but I've just never lived in an area that has that. You know, a, a really good example here that I've seen uh, that gets a, a unique variety of people to has been a uh, coffee outside. Uh, which is something that I've been seeing pop up throughout the country more and more. We've had a, a, a base of people, you know, doing it here and organizing it here uh, for for a good while, and they do a, a great job. Every week they they call out, you know, where they're going to meet, and you know anybody can show up, and it's it's not like a big event where you have to perform. Uh, you just show up, make coffee, and shoot shit with people, and then you go go to work. <laughs> But it's just a, it's a cool opportunity because you, you get around, you know, maybe some like-minded people, but maybe people from different backgrounds that you might not otherwise get to meet at like a race necessarily. Um, And then who knows? I mean, you can, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to to create the culture, (laughs) but I know that like, there's, there's a lot of people doing stuff and, you know, whether it's like you're surrounding yourself with, you know, as a volunteer through trail building and, connecting with other trail builders. Uh, maintenance is a great way to build a community, but some of these like more low key events too, where you're just meeting around a, the the common thing of like a love for bikes, mm-hmm. but there's no qualification to, to perform in any way Absolutely. Is, is a good atmosphere to just like get things kicking off, I think yeah. too, so. Well, I gotta ask you, uh, what is your favorite Chumba bike? <laughs> Oh I know that's God. like asking you to pick your favorite child, but yeah, totally. I think it's a fair question. Um, well, I mean, I've had all of our bikes. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now I have four. <laughs> I'm trying to pare it down because it's like I got, you know, I can only afford to have. I can only afford to have two and a half. So, yeah, two and a half. <laughs> but hey, um, I'll pitch in on the the third. I'll, okay. <laughs> um, well, you shown half a chumba. Yeah, I mean, it's really about like for me, uh, what I'm riding at the time I'm riding, which I don't mean like that day. I mean like, you know, like in cyclocross season, it'll be my Terralingua, it'll be my favorite bike because I'll be spending a lot of time on it and I love that bike. Yeah. Uh, but right now is definitely the Sendero. I'm so excited about that bike. It's just like, uh, you know, I was talking with a, a friend of mine, uh, Conrad, who who has one also. And he made a comment, uh, I don't even look at other bikes anymore. <laughs> and it's like, I was thinking about it, it's like, that's that's what I was hoping would happen for me with that bike was that I would be so excited about riding it that I'd 
think about maybe like maybe that's enough for me and uh and it it's just like it's been a blast it takes everything i'm good at and makes me better at it so how long has that bike been in your lineup i know it's relatively new it's pretty new i mean i've been thinking about it for over a year and we've been prototyping it and then we've we've had it available to market for maybe three months i think and we yeah. we haven't done a press release for it yet we're about to we've only done like a soft launch on we it. just did it boom press, press release. release done <laughs> see easy yeah <laughs> there you go well another thing that i thought was super interesting um so you were riding a steel yeah sendero and i was on the thai stella mm-hmm and they're both my bikes. Yeah. They're, <laughs> so, I mean, my brain goes to, all right, obviously titanium is the best, right? That's what everybody says. <laughs> and you can have whatever chumbo you want. Right. So, and you chose steel. So I'm really curious why. Um, well, the the really cool thing about it is that because of how we're, what we're putting into the bikes and how we're manufacturing them, one is not necessarily better than the other one. So there, it's interesting is like, the industry overall is set up to tell you that like if you're paying more the bike is better mm-hmm. but really like with with the steel and titanium it's just two different materials and like a really high quality steel bike is not anything like a $300 steel bike it's a completely different machine um so the bike that i'm on is the as the steel sendero is every bit as refined in terms of like the quality as the, as the titanium Stella is. Um, but they're two different, uh, ride qualities for sure. So I find that the steel is a lot more, uh, compliant overall and that the titanium is compliant, but rebounds faster. So it feels maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit zippier, you know, a little racier normally. So when I've been really focused on racing as my goal, I've usually kind of gravitated towards the the tie bike. And then when I focus more on riding as my goal, I've gravitated more towards the steel. Um, so it's just a little more comfortable? It's a little more comfortable, but I mean, the type of riding that I generally, like when it's like, hey, I have time to go do whatever I want and I'm going to go ride my bike. I generally go to our, you know, uh, Barton Creek Greenbelt and I ride really bumpy rocky stuff with lots of ledge lines and downhills and uh you know the whole thing's a rock garden so the added comfort of the steel for me is great but then also the compliance like coming off of those drops means that the bike's just going to track really well and not not bounce me off my line and not that the tie would but uh but it's just different the the steel just handles like the it just flows through that stuff a little bit smoother yeah so what's the price difference between the two Price difference is really, uh, depending on the bike, between, uh, I think it's like close to $900 to uh, $600 between the two materials, depending upon which model steel bike you're buying from us. Um, But uh, like the titanium material itself is just like, the material itself is more expensive. Um, The advantages to tie are that it's extremely dent resistant, like, you know, uh, the fatigue strength on it's you know, incredible. Uh, it stays aligned really well, you know, cause it has a great memory too. Um, and it's really light. And so like the biggest difference between the two bikes is that, uh, a titanium mountain bike versus a steel mountain bike 
is going to be at least a pound lighter. So like our Stella compared to my Sendero there, uh, the Stella tie is a, a pound and a quarter lighter uh, compared to a Stella steel. It's a pound lighter. Um, so, you know, that metric is more important if you're racing yeah, um, and less important if you're trying to like stay, uh, stay comfy. <laughs> yeah. Or if you got 20 pounds of gear on your bike and you're like, well, well, that's the thing though, is when you yeah, put 20 you... pounds of gear on the bike, the stiff bike becomes even more compliant. So like the, the tie bike with gear in it is awesome. Like it's, it, it turned into like such a smooth bike. And I'd be interested to like, if someone asked that question to Alexandra, cause this is her first time uh-huh. uh, doing like extensive riding on titanium. She's always been on really steel uh, bikes prior to my knowledge. Um, so it'd be really cool to get her feedback on what that experience was like. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I get a chance to interview her again. I've, I've, uh, reached out to her and let her know, ex- just express that I would really enjoy the opportunity, uh, whenever it presents itself again to, to talk to her. Um, I, I think I could sit down and talk to her all day long. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. would just be, it would, it would be a treat. Um, what do you think, or what is Chumba trying to do well? Like, what do you think that you do better than anybody else or, Maybe you don't even compare to anybody else, but like, what are what are y'all really trying yeah. to excel at? Um, first and foremost, like the most pervasive thing that we try to do with everything is quality. Like, not just like the end product, not just any one part of it, but like everything. So, with the materials that we're using, the the craftsmanship put into it, the process, like everything that every single part of what it takes to make the company image go out there to you contacting us, to us building your bike and getting it to you. We want it to be of the highest possible quality that we can deliver. So that's something that I don't know if every company puts before uh, making a lot of money. Yeah, We want to be profitable but we don't uh, want to do it at, we have no interest in being profitable at the cost of making a subpar product. Well said. Yeah. That's a good place to, I think that's a good a good place to end it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to, anything new in the works or anything like that that you wanted to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, the the newest things we have are the Del Amo road bike, which is pretty cool. We've never had a road bike before. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, we just uh, wanted to make something like really clean and sexy. Yeah. You know, we, we had a couple of team riders that wanted to race race road and, well, they might as well do it on a Chumba. So, and uh, Mark has made you know, lots of custom road bikes, uh, in the, in the past. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a real complicated decision to try to add that in. Um, and it's been really fun having it as another option. So, uh, yeah, so th- th- that's been really fun. And then the Sendero steals our other new bikes. So those are our two most recent things. Um, a little teaser I'll, I'll drop though, yeah. is that, uh, we're soon to be, uh, releasing uh, pre-orders on an updated Stella tie. Ooh. Yeah. So we'll be- Are you taking pre-orders yet? Or you're about to? Um, Well, I mean, we haven't officially, this is the most official thing I've said about it, Uh but we do have customers who have been talking with me and I've got a short list, but 
That's um, right, folks. Come to Bike for Death for all your bike industry <laughs> scoops. Yeah, but soon, soon we'll be posting up on our <laughs> site and Instagram and all that and what the changes will be. Yeah, so you don't want to talk about what all the changes are yet? They're going to be really minor. Yeah. It's really just like... Just goes uh, back to the twinking that you're talking about doing. Just Yeah, it's like subtle refinements that we've we've learned through the other bikes um, over the course of time. And, you know, we've been building on the Stella platform for five years, over five years, five and a half years. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we just, uh, we had opportunity to, to, to make a, a cool revision. So we... We want to change some some simple simple things on it that we think will benefit people. And yeah, make it make it really fun, exciting. Well, I love everything that you guys are doing. I love what y'all stand for. I like that y'all work with and sponsor a variety of riders, and that your bikes are just simple and useful machines that look fucking sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man, keep it up. I appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me today and and to show me around Austin uh, yeah. a little bit of a different side of Austin that I haven't seen before and on a single speed. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And let me know if you want to ride it again. <laughs> I'd like to ride it every day. Uh, do you, do y'all have people like stop by the short store? Do y'all have like store hours or like if people want to yeah, reach I out mean, to you, like what's the best way to. Yeah. We, uh, we totally welcome factory visits all the time. Um, you know, it's, we're generally there Monday through Friday, nine to five. Uh, it's best to hit us up ahead of time make sure we're there. We step out a lot to take frames to paint or go get materials or go get tacos. Most of the time <laughs> <laughs> we should probably just close down 12 to one. Mark calls it the, Taco hour. The taco hour, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we have people stop by all the time and it, it, it's really fun to kind of share the process uh, of what we do so we can literally take you back and show you the machines that are building it and kind of demystify what it is to, to make a bike, but also kind of uh, maybe blow your mind with all the steps that go into it, so. I th- and I think just blow, my, blow your mind as to like how much y'all do from a limited space. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's a rinky dink thing, but like, uh, I mean, how big is that? It's, it's just under 2000 square foot. Oh, it's 2000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's a big open work environment that has everything laid out. You know, all all the machines are laid out to be efficient. Yeah. You know, well, that's what I was getting at. It's like, it's, it's amazing like the simplicity doesn't just stop with, oh, your bikes are well-made and they're simple and this is what you're getting. Uh, but it's also like your business model where yeah. it's two guys. I mean, I know there's four partners in the mm-hmm. business, but it's mostly two guys that are there on the day-to-day and operating in a very efficient manner, it appears, uh, yeah. to to produce no, a high-quality product. Uh, we're... I've really proud to say that we are efficient. I mean, I think uh, our turnaround time, I think is totally acceptable for a, yeah. a maiden house bike uh, that's pretty much made to order in most cases. And uh, I'm extremely responsive to emails. Like I answer every single email. I try to I try to look at every single social media comment. I do all the posting on that. Like I wanna be present for as much as I possibly can. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job, but I it's mean, a fun one. Yeah. I mean, all four of us are passionate about it. So it's like, we're all doing it for the right reasons. I feel like. Yeah. Well, more power to you guys. I'm looking forward to everything that y'all have coming and, uh, 
And yeah, thanks thanks again for letting me come and talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Peace. Okay, thanks again, Vince. Appreciated it. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. It was a really neat opportunity to go hang out with him in Austin, chill at his house. Um, go, I mean, I rode his bike. He showed me around some trails, and then we recorded a podcast in his home. So it's really neat. I love uh, getting to know my guests uh, through riding bikes and just hanging out. So anyway, it was cool. It's my fer- preferred way to to do it. Um, so truth time. My fancy new digital recorder that I was talking about before the show, I, uh, I'm i still learning how to use it. And I just finished like recording an intro and outro and I pop- popped it in Audacity to start editing it, editing it, and it sounded like shit. So this is take two. And because it's take two and I got, a, I got other shit to do, um, I'm not going to talk a lot. I'm just going to tell you that if you want to support the show, I've made it really easy for you. Go to bikesordeath.com. On the right-hand side, you'll see a couple links. One is a patron uh, link. That's great if you want to support the show on like a monthly basis. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar or $10. Everything goes directly to the show. Uh, The other thing is you'll see a Amazon affiliate link. If you click it, bookmark it, and use it every time you shop on Amazon, I'm going to get a little cut. It doesn't cost you anything. So far, I've made like 40 bucks, which is pretty cool, and just... I want to, you know, more, more, more of that. That's that please. And thank you. Yeah. Also hit that store button right now. We have, uh, just stickers and patches, but I've got one of my listeners have reached out to me, Sean. Hey, Sean, appreciate it, dude. Uh, Sean reached out to me and, uh, just offered to help. He's like, Hey man, what can I do to help the show? Uh, I, I basically took him up on his offer. You know, I, I, I do have a lot going on and just producing audio and keeping up with guests and everything. It, it's a lot of, it's a lot to juggle. So, um, the exciting thing is, is that he is like taking on the whole task of merchandise. So, you know, like shirts and hats and coffee cups and whatever we're going to do, like he is kind of taking that ball and running with it. So he's currently working on it. He's, we've already had some great conversations and emails, kicking around ideas and just, yeah, getting it ready. So that is very forthcoming and I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. I really want some of the stuff that he's like sent me. I'm like, yes, order that. I want it, you know? Um, so I'm getting psyched. Uh, so thanks again, Sean, man. It's, uh, it's great to have you on the Bikes or Death team. Right now there's two of us. The last way that you can support the show and it's kind of crazy is you, um, if you are buying or selling real estate, uh, send me an email bikes at bikesordeath.com. In my real life, I'm a real estate agent and it's very common in our market to uh, send referrals to other agents for people that you know who are looking to buy or sell at home. It doesn't have to be just in America. It's actually anywhere in the world. So if you live anywhere in the world and you are buying or selling, uh, shoot me an email and uh, yeah, I'd love to help you out with that. It would uh, be a great way to support the show, you know, uh, kick a few dollars my way. It's something I do on a daily basis anyway. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. I know it's like pretty outside the box maybe and non-traditional, but in an effort to keep this show free from advertisers and sponsors, um, which, you know, I get it. I know why people do it. This It's hard. It's harder to like beg for money. It's easier to go to a company and say, Hey, look at all my numbers. Look at all my reviews. Look at da 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 and, and give me money. I'll talk about whatever you want. Just give me the money. Right. So I could do that, but you know, I rather it would just be 
me saying whatever I want to say, interviewing whatever guest I want to interview, and and that's it. See, simple, clean, easy. But in order to do that, I got to think outside the box, and I need you guys to support the show. So um, that's it. I hope you all have a great week. In the meantime, go ride your damn bike. <laughs>